Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Building Sustainability Podcast with me, your host, Jeffrey Hart, aka Jeffrey the Natural Builder. Every fortnight, join me as I talk to designers, builders, makers, dreamers, and doers, exploring the wide world of sustainability in the built environment by talking to wonderful people who are doing excellent things. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. This is episode 91. It is December 2022. And this is the Christmas episode. Uh, today's guest is actually a guest interviewer, um, the incredibly talented and unbelievably wonderful friend of the podcast, Mr. Mike Bite Hill, will be taking on the interview role because today I'm the guest. And I am going to be talking about my natural tiny house build. Regular listeners to the podcast will have heard little snippets. Um, we are going to go reasonably deep today. I've also talked about this house on other podcasts. Uh, I'll put some links to those in the show notes. Um, so we thought we'd make this one a little more lighthearted, make it Christmas themed. Uh, maybe that'll be really annoying. I don't know. Um, and I should also say that it's not me being big-headed, booking myself as the Christmas special, but uh, it's merely about scheduling. I couldn't get anyone else. I should also say that this episode will almost certainly feature naughty words uh, because it features a bit of Christmas drinking and merriment. Uh, and right on time, here comes Mike to start the podcast. Blimey, Charlie, it's blowing an absolute gale out there. The snow is up to my knees. I could barely walk at all. <laughs> Here we are. Hello, sir. Hello there, Jeffrey. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Very good, mate. How are you getting on? All right. Yeah. Got the fire on. Got the Christmas tree up. It is looking festive as anything up in here. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. Beautiful tree, beautiful crackers, roaring log fire. What more can you ask for? I mean, you're wearing your Christmas shirt, I can see. I'm wearing my brand new special Christmas shirt. First outing. I think you'll agree it's pretty, pretty festive. And yeah, came around wearing my full wool. I very quickly took that off. And now here we are. 
So why don't you tell the listeners who the hell you are and what the hell you're doing here? That's a very good shout. That should be addressed first and foremost. Okay, so my name is uh, Mike Hill. Uh, I am, if I may be so bold, a good friend of yours. And I've been living here with you for the last month or so, doing some work at the place that you live at. And I've come here to speak to you about your tiny home, your experience building it, living in it. And also to have a jolly old festive time. Yeah, I mean, this is our, our Christmas party, isn't it? This is our Christmas party. <laughs> works do. <laughs> works do. The year has ended. We've actually got one more uh, floor to do next week. We have. Uh, but other than that, that's it. Year over. Year over. Photocopier is waiting to be sat on. <laughs> it's a great Christmas party. Uh, before we get into the podcast, uh, there is just the normal housekeeping things to get out of the way i've never done this with an audience before it's quite yeah quite unnerving yeah. <laughs> uh so the patron um no new patron subscribers this month Ooh. Uh, <laughs> um it's not surprising really what with cost of living crisis and christmas cost of living christmas uh yeah so um thank you um to everyone who has supported the podcast throughout the year it genuinely means the world to me. Yeah. Any encouragement for people to, to support on the Patreon? Yes, absolutely, of course. This is a incredibly worthwhile podcast to support, an incredibly worthwhile man to support. And with the cost of living crisis going on, give a brother a hand, for goodness sake. But no, seriously speaking, uh, it's something which I do not do myself. And I've yeah. often thought that I ought to, actually, Jeffrey. It's slightly uh, embarrassing. No, you're, you're, you've provided the music. Ah, that is very true. I, I did. I provided the music for the podcast as well. I should have said that when I said hello to begin with. Yeah. Um, and actually, we might have a small surprise in that regard this <gasps> this episode. Yeah. Maybe. Or maybe not. But yeah, um, if you can afford it, if you're in a position to be able to, give it a thought. And if you, yeah, if, if this is a podcast you listen to and enjoy, yeah, consider supporting Jeffrey on Patreon. It uh, genuinely, I know firsthand, does provide a big old help in making it. Blimey, that's better than anything I've ever said. You're going to be my celebrity guest to turn on my Christmas lights. Yep, Nettle Coombe's very own Mike Hill. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the uh, the switch is just behind you there. Yep, just down there. Just down here. Oh, there it is, right. Yeah, okay. it's like the big red button that they normally have. Three, two, one... <laughs> Hey! It's Christmas. Look at those flickery guys. I have coated the place. That is 30 metres of very light. 30 metres, that's good enough. It goes up and up and round the bedroom. Yeah. Coming around a little roundwood detail, coming down the stairs. Beautiful work. Gorgeous. It's Thanks. Vision man. of Christmas. Should we get on with the podcast? I think we should. All right. <clears throat> Apologies to everybody. I uh, I cut my finger in a chiselling accident the other day, so slightly sore, and insert all sorts of other excuses for how poor this is going to be. But here we go. Jeffrey, I must say before we before we crack on, 
that was the best you played it. Yeah. <laughs> in all of the practices. Yeah, and honestly, I've just sat and practiced many, many times. And uh, yeah, I think I agree. Whilst that's still not being fantastic, was indeed the best go. <laughs> it so was the we'll least it. worst. It was the least worst, and I'm happy enough with that. <laughs> Let's go. So, uh, as it's Christmas special, mm-hmm. we are going to be having a few drinks. Oh, yeah. And so I thought we'd start with the traditional Christmas Day breakfast drink Bailey's. <laughs> Oh yeah, that is Bailey's in a glass. Absolutely. Cheers. Cheers. So to begin with, mate, um, we are sat inside of your delightful tiny home. Yes. And what a beautiful home it is, mate. Thank you. Yeah, genuinely speaking, gorgeous little space. Um, so I guess to begin with, question number one is, why? Why? <laughs> why have I done it? Why did you decide to build a tiny home? Uh, good question. Thank you. It sort of came about a little bit by accident, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd been into tiny homes for uh, quite a while. Really enjoyed the the smallness of them, the the sort of character of them. Mm. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about how much space people actually need mm. for a long time. Yeah, yeah, they seem to to really fit that solution. How it all started was I decided that I didn't want to live on the boat anymore. Uh-huh. I lived on the boat for five or six years. Yeah, in and around Bristol? Yeah, originally in London. Uh-huh. Did two, I think two years, continuous cruising across uh, London, uh-huh. and then uh, moved to Bristol and was in a marina. Uh, loved the small space. My boat was 38 feet, um, a little, little narrow boat. Mm. You had a lovely uh, trip on that, didn't you? Just going to say, me, you, and our friend Coke had a lovely little weekend mm. moving that. But I learned the word windless, <laughs> and I think lost at least one of them. Oh, you did, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, well, not surprising, really. Yeah, it was a great time. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so I was really I like the small living, and in fact, it sort of goes back beyond that. In that, uh, I'd been travelling for five years mm. before that, and never really had any possessions because i had to move them all around yeah, yeah so um so when i got back moving onto the boat like i think a lot of people when they move into their tiny house are kind of like i need all the storage and mm. i i need to get rid of all my stuff but i just moved my one bag on and uh and it was great didn't need any cupboards no <laughs> <laughs> what a result burnt them all yeah and you also had your van which is now my van yes which i live in yes yeah yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, really, um, I was sort of quite well versed with the small spaces. Mm. I don't think I'd really like living in a big space mm-hmm. anymore. I think if I had more space, I'd fill more space. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And actually limiting the amount of space means that I really think about mm. what it is I actually buy. And I try and don't always succeed to buy uh, the good quality, you know, buy it once. Buy it once. Uh, it's a rule to live by. Yeah. Sometimes I fail terribly, though. Yeah. I've got a plastic watering can over there. That <laughs> We've all got our vices, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, actually, that with it being Christmas as well and living in a tiny space. Like, my family have been asking me what sort of presents I'd want for mm. Christmas. And the number one consideration is what is small. Yeah. What can fit in the space. I remember last Christmas, I think I got a few things from my family, which is all very lovely. But the biggest question was, where the hell do I put this now? Yeah. In this four by two meter box. Yes. <laughs> I On the boat, I once received a, uh, I mean, it was a gorilla outfit from my brother. 
Amazing, that is the last thing I expected to say. <laughs> I was like, where on earth does a gorilla outfit fit? That's why you've got the gorilla covered in it. That's it. I see. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's, it was really the dream with building the tiny house was to create enough space to store the gorilla outfit. It ticked that box thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, but yet, so, um, so I decided actually that I wanted to live on the land mm-hmm. Uh being on the water was brilliant. I loved being so in nature all the time. But uh, I think I really wanted to grow things and, you know, actually root uh, mm. somewhere. I'd be moving around and didn't really settle in Bristol in uh-huh. the, the three, four years I was there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I started sending out emails to loads of my friends who had some connection with land or like landowners or, you know, we've got some friends who've got a woodland in Herefordshire mm. and I was like how would you like me to come live there yeah, yeah. Uh, and I sent that out to, to loads and loads of people um, and a few interesting things came back but then I just happened to come and visit my friend who was living in this place where I live now mm-hmm. and I was on a cycling holiday came in here sort of mentioned because it was in my brain like yeah. what do you call that like visioning or um Manifesting. Manifesting, there you go. And this was, sorry, this was two years ago or so, was it? Two, yeah. Yeah. So it was 2020, and it was a cycling holiday that I squeezed between two lockdowns. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I stopped in here, chatted to my friend, was saying, I want to live in the country. Uh, I want to grow some vegetables. And, uh, And as I cycled away, I got a little ping on my phone that said, you should come and live here. Ah, uh, and that was, point. and that was it. Yeah, um, and I, I spoke to the the landowner. It's like a big old country estate, mm. but it's not been bought or sold for seven hundred years. Old stuff, very very beautiful. Yes, yeah. stunning. Yeah. Um, so yeah, talk to the. But it's it's in trust now, uh, but the current trustee. Is that yeah, probably the right word. Yeah, uh, yeah. Got talking to him. We really got on. Um, and organised to move here. Shout out to Tom. Shout out to Tom, yeah. Mm. And he said, oh, yeah, I'd really like to support sort of projects. Mm. Um, yeah, what have you got in mind? And I thought, well, I'd love to build myself a house. Mm. So it sort of was backwards on how I think most people would Yeah, it. yeah. The space came first. The space came first, mm. yeah. Mm. And I think that's always the question that people ask uh on all the tiny house forums that i'm on people are always asking how do you find the land mm. and yeah for me it was really easy sort of backwards as i say yeah 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 um that really is one of the biggest considerations isn't it that's been a big consideration for me we've been lucky enough in the van to have stayed with previously mentioned friends will and penny in brookhouse woods and then eventually to come here as well but that's always the little fear in the back of the mind is we've got the house there where is that house going to be? Mm. Even if it's movable, you can't keep on moving it. Yes, both of our homes are technically movable, yeah. but they're big. I mean, yours is smaller than this, but yes. you know, it, in van world, it mm. is a big Luton van. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't really want to be driving it everywhere. No, absolutely not. Country lanes are not your friend. Terribly designed shelving. <laughs> <laughs> That's a self diss. Oh, was it? <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. Because oh, right. Because you have to clear all the stuff off your shelves. All the shelves have to be cleared off if we're going to move it because I've designed them without like a little metal rail in front or something like on a spice rack, just so they're easier to deal with 
day to day to interact with day to day. So it's, we, we sort of look at it as a house that can move as opposed to a camper van. Yes. Or something like that. I mean, that's very much how I feel about this. Yeah. This is, people see it as like, oh, it looks like a ca- caravan. Mm. So I would, I mean, I'm getting anxiety about moving this about 300 metres up the road yeah. uh, into the woods here. Uh, because of low branches, because of, you know, we're going to go up a slight incline on a bit of a weird camber. Mm-hmm. Like, is it going to fall over? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that wakes me up at 3 a.m. Yeah. Uh, it's understandable. Like, everything's relative, isn't it? This may be a tiny home, but it's a pretty massive thing. Yes. In and of itself. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, and the thought of that being dragged by a tractor or something, as you say, up a wonky road. Yeah. Also fill me with terror. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the boat, had that same like fear like you know i could sink my home mm. but those things are massive steel like bumper cars mm. uh and i <laughs> crashed it into enough banks uh-uh. <laughs> uh to, to know that it was really sturdy um but yeah this it's made of wood yeah I've one one brush with a tree and it's blah. yeah Let's not even go there. No, yeah, thanks. Let's not consider that. <laughs> but yeah, that's interesting. I was going to say that, yeah, so previously you had your boat and then you had the van that I live in now. You had that for, for a while and mm-hmm. now you've got this. Your forms of housing have all been movable. For the yeah. Last while. Outside of the kind of, in air quotation marks, the norm. Yeah, I guess and, so. Yeah. Uh, has that been a conscious decision or choice in itself or has that organically happened? Is that something you found yourself doing? Hmm. I don't know. Mm. I've been doing uh, quite a lot of self-reflection recently and just realised that I have an immense fear of commitment. <laughs> <laughs> and not like, you know, in, in the sort of relationship world, mm-hmm. uh, but like I won't commit to choosing one uh, New Year's Eve party. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mike. Not at all. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I really struggle to, to pick one thing. Mm. And I think the idea, like, the dream had always been to buy a bit of land in Wales and mm. build a one-planet development house. Yes. You know, have the land, have the orchard, grow food, be sustainable, live happily ever after. The dream. A.K.A. the dream. Yeah. But actually, uh, it's really difficult to do that. Mm. And, like, there's a there's a huge sort of barrier in that if you're so far out on your own mm. in this sort of you know, magical field you've bought, mm. if there's no one else around, it's actually incredibly lonely. Yes. If there's no one to share this stuff with. Exactly. That's the crux, isn't it? Yeah. And so there needs to be community. So then you're looking for land where there's other people who are doing it and that's expensive or, yeah. you know, yeah. the, the trade off of what you can get versus, you know, this ideal life is a, a tricky thing to do. Yes, running away to the hills isn't quite as ideal as it first feels yes. or seems. Yeah, and you've only got to be, like, you know, ill. I guess COVID probably yeah. sort of brought that front and centre. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're suddenly dependent on your neighbours to bring you some food or to help you out or, you know, you fall over or mm-hmm. whatever it is, or, you, get, you know, just getting old. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah we're getting yeah. older, Mike. <sighs> the march of time inextricably pushes forwards here comes the big sleep nothing says christmas like that <laughs> <laughs> no it's funny but a friend of mine um his mum has just had to leave the the house that she's lived in for the last 30 years which is incredibly remote out on this the moors of dumfries 
and in fact she's written books about living silently and living alone and so on that's really her modus operandi that create that, that forms her personality mm. and she's had to because of old age and ill health move in back in with her family and that's completely stolen herself from yeah. herself as it were yeah it's a um time comes for all of us <laughs> crikey yeah jesus christ apologies the, the ghost of christmas past <laughs> <laughs> it's this shirt man i shouldn't be wearing it it's this christmas jumper is actually yeah roasting yeah you're feeling on top of <laughs> crikey <laughs> yeah it's getting there isn't it so along with a kind of circumstantial happenstance of the tiny home becoming possible to build because of the place that they were mm. invited to live at. Um, knowing you, I would assume that there's a sort of environmental slant to the desire to live in a tiny home. Yes. Well, I mean, I'll start. Actually, I'll start with the selfish slant. Uh, That's the most important one. I so I've been building people highly insulated natural homes for yes. about ten years. Uh, when I started this. And I was quite aware that I lived in an uninsulated metal box that was submerged in freezing cold water while doing that. Yeah. And, you know, I was wearing all my clothes for a lot of my life on that boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did heat up nicely, but sometimes if you were just... Like, if I worked late at the workshop, yeah, get home, all I could do is get straight into bed because I had to just wait for the, the boat to, to warm up. Yeah, a massive wet space. Yeah. Um, and so I really wanted to live that thing that I talk about so often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I started this podcast when I was still on the boat, and you know, I was preaching mm-hmm. that, yeah, yeah. that we should be building these insulated spaces mm-hmm. uh, while shivering in my boat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I really wanted to to experience that. In a selfish way, like, you know, we build a lot of houses for people that are more well-off than we are. Absolutely, yes. Uh, And it's a little bit upsetting that, Mm. you know, we we sort of work really hard and then hand it over. Yeah, if if nothing else, just, as you say, the building a beautiful thing, being immensely satisfied with the beautiful thing you've built, and then as soon as it's done, saying, okay, then... See you later. Yep. That's that. <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah, I just poured my heart and soul into that thing. Mm-hmm. Never to see it again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is a, a tricksy one. Um, so, yeah, I wanted that for myself. Mm. So when I um, when I started to, to research tiny homes, yes. I started looking at all, the, all of the YouTubes and mm-hmm. all of the how-to guides and all the stuff that's online, and there were some shocking details. Mm. Yes, details. Uh, details. Yes. Uh, I know you love them. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, the most common insulation that was used, spray foam. Ah, uh, yes. Toxic chemical yeah. spray foam. Mm. Details like thermal bridging, which is when a timber spans from the inside to the outside, so from your warm space inside to the cold outside. Yes. Uh, essentially bypassing all that usually spray foam <laughs> insulation. Mm-hmm. That essentially leaves a cold bridge, so you get a cold face on the inside of your your building it both cools the building down quicker and also increases the chance of condensation at that point yes because the warm moist air inside hits cold face turns into liquid water gets wet wet what's the wet water water your breath yes your very own breath and sweat (laughs) breath sweat 
and all the things you cooked. Maybe a little bit of wee. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I was looking at all this and I, you know, and I saw details like no, no thinking about air tightness, really badly installed insulation. Mm. So I was seeing all these bad details mm. and, and that's, that's sort of been my thing is that I really want to make high performance homes. Yes. From natural materials. Um, so they're, you know, they're low embodied carbon mm. using natural materials, generally low embodied carbon but also low operational carbon. So things like air tightness, yes. uh, which is sort of a new thing in my world, mm. relatively new. Yeah, Since yeah. starting this podcast, I've really grown to appreciate it um, and realise how vital it is like, to make an airtight building and mm. to seal it. Um, because up to, well, at least 20% of losses in a house in mm. terms of uh, energy efficiency for the uh, stats fans are <laughs> uh, uh, just from little gaps like between your doors between around the windows mm. uh, and and i think air tightness is a, quite a bad term because it sounds like suffocation yes um but it essentially means sealing up all those cracks and making making sure that all that air can't just pass straight by your insulation yes and make your insulation completely redundant case in point the door in my van yes yeah which i've left gappy to try and reduce the power of the oversized log burner (laughs) 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 sort of feels like a plaster being put on something they definitely need to fix the issue at the core yeah small log burner seal the door for goodness sake Mince pie? Oh, you've got some fancy mince pies. Oh, taste the difference. Taste the difference. Okay. Oh. Well, the mince pie heating on a log burner, topped with some brandy cream, is a joy. Hey. Yeah. It smells delicious. And quite boozy. Yeah. Uh, the concern about mulled wine cooking off the booze. A legitimate concern? Question mark. Um, yeah, I think it is, it is a concern, mm-hmm. which all the more reason to add extra booze. More booze. Bring it back up again. One of my favourite podcast people, Blind Boy, was talking about that, that the other day, when he was saying that we're never making mulled wine, don't piss around, once it's finished, top that bastard up with more <laughs> red wine, or brandy, or whiskey, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Which is what we're doing, that is a very nice drop. That's, I mean... Same as for his finest, I think. Oh, no, I think that's Morrison's finest. I've been to all, yeah, I've been to all the shops getting just the perfect ingredients for today. Oh, what a treat. You wait for quigs and quankets. Quigs and quankets. I feel like a very lucky boy at this stage. <laughs> well, Christmas party, isn't it? <laughs> so as I was thinking about the house, I think, you know, seeing all these bad details, mm-hmm. I, I realised that, I sort of felt like I, I had to take on this project to make this as good as it possibly could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it felt like I wanted to make the model of uh, sustainable tiny homes, like good details, great insulation, you know, 
I wanted people to be able to see this and go like, that's the way I want to build, mm. not see the spray foam and the thermal bridging. Yes. And... Yeah. So making it a model for what can be achieved. Yes. Mm. Mm. Did you find that layered on a, an element of pressure onto you whilst building it? A little bit. Yeah. Self-imposed kind of pressure. Yeah. I mean, the best kind. Mm. My favorite. Yeah. It def- definitely so. Yeah. Um, what I also realised is that it destroyed any semblance of a budget because I looked at a problem and I went, well, the right way to do this yes. is expensive. And the cheat way, which isn't the model of <laughs> of sustainability and great tiny house building, yeah. is the cheap way. So you strong-armed yourself Bugger. into spending lots of money. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, every like little detail, I get to a new detail and go, oh, no, mm. that's an extra three grand. <laughs> <laughs> what have I done to myself? Yeah. Like um, the windows going mm. uh, going triple glazed. Going triple. Triple glazed all round. Um, yeah. I, when I initially budgeted it, I thought be about 25 grand. Mm-hmm. That was quickly kicked to the curb. Uh, couldn't the the budget was demolished yes. in that sense. Um, what would you say, like for like, same size window is the price difference between a triple glaze and a double glaze unit? We'll be back after a quick break. If you're looking for all things BMX racing, you found the right podcast. Here at Lane 8 BMX Podcast, I'll speak to the local racer, the national racer, and even the Olympic level racer. I'm talking kids to the weekend warriors and much more. So get comfortable, turn up the volume, and remember to snap on green. So uh, this is one of the many, many rabbit holes, uh, as I'm sure you can imagine, um, I have plowed down. And uh, so it's not just about the extra pane of glass. You you want to buy good quality windows and doors that are airtight as well, mm-hmm. because it's that same thing. If you've got three panes of glass, you've essentially got extra insulation. Yeah. If that window doesn't join, close, you know, tightly shut, yeah. and air can leak through, it's irrelevant. You are pissing in the draft of your door. Exactly. Yes. Um. So yeah. So then I had to, there's a, an air tightness rating. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to find people that would do that. And then I was getting quotes from every passive house window builder. <laughs> um, but <laughs> goodness me. Yeah. And then I was getting emails from every passive house builder, uh, window builder mm-hmm. for the next eight months. By the way, would you like to spend all this money? Yeah, of course. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was just asking. Um, but yeah, so I found uh, the Green Building Store, actually. Um, I'll give a shout out to them. They uh, make the most affordable wind-tight, air-tight. Uh, they've got, like, double seals uh, uh-huh. so that, yeah, I think most normal windows have one seal. Right, yeah. And then these have two. Oh. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, so, Yes. But they are, I mean, they're more expensive if you were to go, like, there's a company called woodenwindows.com. I think when I did my original uh, yes. my original pricing, mm-hmm. it was looking at double glazed windows from them. 
And then I was like, oh, I should go triple glaze. So I looked at triple glazing from them and they do it. But it's a bit more expensive. And then I realized I had to spend the money because I was being a model for sustainability. Yes, indeed. <sighs> so, yeah, it added thousands on. Approximate percentage? Uh, yep. Cool. Okay, good. Moving swiftly on. Uh, who was the company who made the doors again? The the Green Building Store. The Green Building Store. Great, great doors, low, low prices. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. All your money back. Terms and conditions do apply. Etc. 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 Yeah. Give them a call or don't. It's up to you. Mm. No, they were actually great. Yeah. Not sponsored, by the way. No. no. Although, if they want to send us some money. That's fine. Mm. I'll take a bit. <laughs> <laughs> You're my hype man. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> Excuse me. So, uh, we have basically just hopped into the details. Uh, mm, we're both there. detail people, aren't we? We are detailing. We're always going to pop into the details. Detailing McGee's. Quite, quite love it. So, this takes me on to the uh, design and materials section of the interview. Oh, crikey. And this is an interview. Right. Um, You're looking me deep in the eye. Right in the eye, yeah. <laughs> I'm not taking away this eye contact. This is intense. I am. I've got to look at my notes. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, with regards to the tiny house then, um, what were the kind of main design considerations that you took into account whilst you were thinking about building a tiny house? What what were the what were the things that you were a hard requirement to have in the home? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it was actually really interesting um, because I was living on the boat when I was designing this mm. and... I, I spent a lot of time just observing my my patterns, what I do in my day, you know, and then f- sort of noticing the gripes. Like I noticed that the kitchen on the boat was tiny mm. and I hadn't really cooked properly in the whole time I'd lived there because yes. it was so on top of itself. You know, I had about probably about a meter of worktop, mm. which, you know, had lots of bottles and you know my oil and my tea bags and washing up liquid infinite things all the things that need to go on a countertop which mean that there isn't much space for preparing food Mm. so i was like all right so kitchen space is important to me Mm. Uh, an interesting thing that i realized was that my bathroom i don't really i don't really care for it as a space Mm. for me it's quite a functional space like i go in there i go to the toilet i might have a wash Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's quite a functional space. Mm-hmm. Um, don't really need to give it more more room than it needs. Yeah, um, and the, like the design process is really about you've got such a limited space. So mm-hmm. the the trailer that I've bought, uh, six and a half meters long mm-hmm. by two and a half meters wide. That is set. And what's the trailer made of? Uh, steel. Steel trailer. Steel trailer. Galvanized steel. Hmm. Mm-hmm. From a company called Vlemix. Big up Vlemix? Uh, yep. They are pretty much, I think they're the only tiny house trailer builders. Mm. They, I think they used to be a boat trailer company. Mm-hmm. And then obviously someone said, can you build a tiny house one? Yeah. And then they've sort of segued into that as a, a side of their business. Right, okay. Yeah, interesting. Um, but yeah, so it's limited space and... What else did I realise? I realised that I really craved somewhere that I could stretch. And like, uh, I mm. don't claim to, to be a like a yoga person. A yogini. 
Um, but sometimes I like to do some stretching and it's really useful to have a bit of space to like, mm. you know, I've recently really hurt my, uh, my Achilles oh. and I need to do some exercises. And now that I have a space to do it, it's really easy. On the boat, for a start, I couldn't even stand upright except for in the very centre. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, uh, washing up like with my head cocked to one side. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I really that was a, a big design consideration was to leave a space empty that was the length of me like stretching out. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is quite a weird design feature to design. Yeah, a, a not feature almost. Mm. A design void. Yes. Yeah. As they say in the trade. Yeah, that's what I say in the trade. And this is where we sat at present. We are sat. Yeah, on, on the, the sofa, sofa. Uh, adjacent to the void. Next to the void, always close to the void. Mm-hmm. The void is never too far away. But uh, uh, yeah, at this point, I'm just going to describe where we're sitting. Mm, we are please sitting do. In Jeffrey's tiny home on a sofa, very comfortable, ample sofa for three, extremely comfortable for two. Possibly four. And it also comes out into a double bed, I believe, it does. for any guests. Yeah. Nice, big, tall ceiling. Very, very much big enough to stand up in, jump in, even go on someone's shoulders in, I would argue. Uh, yeah, I would say without doubt that I could get on your shoulders. Yeah? Yeah. Want to prove it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look at that. Headroom today. I can only just touch the ceiling. Easy, mate. Yes. Okay, good. Right. Good. Point proven. Important to tick that box. Yeah. Jeffrey was able to go on my shoulders with ample space above him. In fact, if you heard it, we could only just touch the ceiling. Yeah. Very big, very tall, accommodating. Nice. Roomy. Very roomy. Mm. Uh, At the end of the trail on the right side, we've got a beautiful... Scaffold board bookcase, I would say that is. Yeah. Yeah? You can call it wood, if you like. Or it's wooden. <laughs> a beautiful wooden bookcase. Um, housing, you guessed it, lots of books. Some beautiful plants. Uh, something we'll come back to later on, I assume, is the fan. Mm. And podcast recording desk, general sitting working desk. Yeah. Yeah, so the other thing I, I realised is that I... So on the boat, I had like a... a a seating area that was a seat with a desk. Mm. Um, yeah, and I really appreciated that in terms of I do sometimes have to work at a laptop and having a dedicated actual <clears throat> space mm. is really useful. Um, but the flip side of the, the boat situation was that there was no reclining space. Yes. If I wanted to watch a movie, I went to bed. Yeah. Uh, like the bed was my comfy space. Yes. Which I don't think is very healthy. No, bed is to sleep in or make nookie in. Yeah, this sofa, actually, I mm-hmm. should say, isn't the sofa that's meant to be in here. This is actually a bit too wide. It's an imposter. It is. It takes over a little bit of my void. Right, yes. Um, this was the sofa that was available. Uh, I needed something, mm-hmm. and it came up locally yeah. for no money, really. Mm-hmm. So one day this will be replaced with a slightly thinner sofa, which will give more space for me to sit at the desk. Yeah. 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 Probably too.
continue describing the space? Oh yeah, sorry, I interrupted yeah. you. No, not at all. But is that a yeah, worthwhile yeah. No, I'm loving it. Thing, yeah. All right. So opposite us on the sofa is a triple glazed door and a triple glazed window with again some more plants atop a nice little way in the edge wood windowsill. We've got the necessary log burner with a very interestingly folded bit of sheet metal behind it to create uh, protection from the heat for the wall. Mm. Um, any interesting stories about that bit of sheet metal at all? Uh, it cost me a lot of money and I had to teach a metal fabricator how nets work. You know, like nets... Um, like, Did you used to do that in maths? Yes. You, or like you draw on graph paper, you draw out like a shape and then fold it up. Yeah, like a cross that makes a cube. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And yeah, so I made all of these parts, very complicated folded bits of metal. I made up the nets uh, and then I took them to the, <laughs> the fabricator who then tried to explain to me how they wouldn't work uh, because of angles. And I had to explain to him that because it was a net, <laughs> it was exactly what he needed to cut. Um, yeah, so I was supposed to just drop off the uh, the plans and then come back and pick them up. And instead, I spent mm, nearly two thirds of a day mm-hmm. with said chap. It was, I mean, it was lovely. I had a great time. We were using big machines that yeah. I never get to use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, anyway. But something you don't expect, though, is a teacher person doing a thing, has to do the thing. Yeah, when yeah. you go to an expert to get a thing done, you don't expect to have to teach them how to do it. Yeah, and there you go. That's part of life's rich tapestry. Isn't it just? And it ended up absolutely bloody beautiful. Very, very nice little uh, fire fire surround and, and, and guard. Hmm. Uh, behind that, we have, what do we call that, a crook frame? Yeah, roundwood yeah. crook frame. Roundwood crook frame. Uh, sweet chestnut. Sweet chestnut. Very, very sweet chestnut. Uh, sweet chestnuts. Sounds like a good ex- exclamation, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Try and slip that into the podcast later on. I'm going to do that in a little bit. A bit like a skateboarder. With, Sweet chestnuts, bro! <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's the thing. Um, just behind that, so the crook frame is the gateway to the kitchen and also part of the supporting mezzanine where your bedroom is. Mm. Bedroom above the kitchen. Bedroom above the kitchen. Yeah, we have a... Very well fitted out kitchen, as Jeffrey was saying. He wanted some more kitchen counter space. There is significantly more than a meter worth of worktops there, I would say. Mm. Yeah, we've got some very nice shout outs. John Mullaney, previous podcast guest. Some very nice John Mullaney shrink pots. Yeah. Sat on the shelves. Well stocked supply of spices and herbs. <laughs> very important. Uh, some Christmas fare, I see, actually. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Them. Don't describe those too much. Don't describe they them. Are, they are gifts from my family. Oh, yeah. Who Shout out sometimes <laughs> listen to this podcast. <laughs> Almost certainly won't listen. Maybe this will be a teller. They listen they to do. one episode. Yeah. I know that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. Classic. Um, and then, yes, very well standardly issued, sort of, you know, filled out kitchen with oven and fridge and what you'd expect. Beautiful little Wayne Yedge worktop. London Plain. It is London Plain. Yeah. London Plain. Very good. From the estate. From your state, no less. We've got some cork backsplashes. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, we've got a sink. And we've also got a very nice little rack of uh, hand carved spoons for various people in the Greenwood working world. Yep. All and what about, nice. what about in the... In the cupboards? Yep. Next Not... to that, on the left-hand side, yep. we have compost loo, shower, bath. It's bath. a bath slash shower. It's a bath slash shower. Describe your bath slash shower, Jeffrey. 
It's a bath slash shower. Sweet. So it's basically a bath that you sit in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is a Japanese style deep soak bath. Ooh, yeah. Uh, so it is, uh, it's like the length of uh, you sat down from your knees to your back mm. uh, with a little kind of step that you sit on mm-hmm. so you don't have to fill up. Uh, so that takes out a, a sort of void of, of volume. Of course it does, yeah. yeah. So it takes less yeah. water to um, to fill. Um, so I can squidge my way down into that. Uh, it, I can get my shoulders under if I get into a slightly uncomfortable position <laughs> but it's quite happily nipple deep uh which is where i normally want my baths that's to yeah. regs isn't it yes nipple deep yeah exactly yeah. um just above nipples yeah. uh yeah it's a glorious thing to do to sit in that bath i've sat in it myself um with not only water in it but that was enjoyable oh yes yeah really nice. <laughs> I thought you were having a really bad time in the toilet, and it turns out you were just climbing into the bath. I was having a wonderful time in the toilet. Mm. Thank you very much. Um, and just in front of that is a very lovely compost loo. Yes. With a wee separator. A wee separator. So you can poo and wee, and the wee won't go in the poo. Correct. Because that's, that's the bad thing, right? That is the bad thing. Yeah. Um, and that compost loo has got a fan, which uh, sucks the air from the, the poo bit. Uh, into a carbon filter, which neutralises all the smells. Fancy Dan. Yeah. Sounds expensive. Uh, not really, actually. No? It's sort of part of the the van life uh, revolution. As uh-huh. I think that's caused that thing. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, I'm, on the boat, I used to have one which vented to the outside. Mm. Uh, which obviously, when you're trying to build an airtight house, yes, you can't vent something to the outside because that's a massive hole in the side of your building. Mm-hmm. So that was an option. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, good old carbon filter. Good old carbon filter. Speaking about those things, with your your log burner has an interesting feature to it, doesn't it? In terms of the airtightness, mm. I believe the. There's a, am I making this up? There's a pipe at the back of it that goes. Yeah, so outside. it's a direct air stove. Direct air stove. Yours is a direct hair stove, isn't it? Yep. Yep. That's... (laughs) (laughs) You've got a vent just on the back of your... Yeah, that that was just to allow air, cold air, behind it. Oh, yours is not a direct hair. No. I see. Well, I I don't don't know what that is, but it doesn't do that, no. It's just like a vent, which is cut into the wall of the van behind the log burner to allow cold air to come in behind the concrete fireball right. which backs the burner okay yes yeah. so in sort of efficient building terms yes. um the idea of cutting a hole in the side of your building to allow cold air in mm. is i mean it's it's a bit backwards sorry i'm not criticizing your criticize away please your job um your van is a very different proposition to this yeah um but with the focus on air tightness uh this stove, so it has its own air intake that comes from the outside. It's an insulated pipe, goes into the stove. The stove is obviously a sealed unit, and then the flue takes it out and away. Mm-hmm. So at no point is that stove taking air from inside the room to burn. It all comes from the outside. Yes. So it can. it is its own separate thing. So there is no air leakage. 
So is there an issue if you have the log burner door open and the door of the tiny home open at the same time? Does that do anything weird? I've never done that. Yeah. Just occurred to me, like a yeah. vacuum-y. Maybe. I mean, generally, if the log burner's on, it's yeah. because I'm cold. So, so the door's closed. That problem resolves itself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I live on my own, and I can't reach both the door and the stove. Not with that attitude, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Prove it! <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. No, that, yeah, that just made me think, talking about the fan in the bathroom. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> and then next to the bathroom, we have a... Another cupboard for storage slash electrics gubbins. Electrics gubbins, yes. Which we'll come back to later, I think. Let's not yeah, I think that's a whole section now. on itself. That's a full section. Yeah. And then just to wrap this up, and then you have a very, very nicely, if I do say so myself on your behalf, <laughs> well-made set of stairs. Um, uh, thanks. If you, go, if you go up them the wrong way, it can be confusing. Kind of yeah. half of the step is cut out, so you can only walk one way up them. If that makes any sense. It's called an alternating tread. It's uh, an alternating tread. Yeah, it's staircase. It's um so there's different rules in terms of uh pitch. Uh so a staircase can be up to forty two degrees in mm-hmm. a in a UK household. Mm-hmm. Um and then you it becomes a ladder, I think. Um so when you need to go up steep, steep inclines it becomes a ladder, and that's got a set of rules about you know, the distances between the, the, the treads and the, and whatnot. Uh-huh. All the complicated... I never remember stair terminology. Rises. Run, run and the rise. Run and the rise. Yes. So there's very... Yeah, there's there's rules about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a way to create a comfortable sort of staircase in inverted commas, uh, inverted brackets, inverted commas, invert, <laughs> in air quotes... <laughs> Um, is to do the alternating stair pattern uh, and that is commonly used on boats uh, like sort of submarine stairs Uh, yeah and there's a set of rules about I just stopped talking about rules Jeffrey (laughs) (laughs) no don't (laughs) and there's a really complicated set of rules actually um, you'll find yeah subsection D um yeah, so it, it makes um, a very easy way to climb the stairs. It looks bewildering, and when I've put pictures online, the comments are always, <laughs> wouldn't like to go up that drunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been up it drunk loads of times, and back down again, uh-huh. and it's absolutely fine. Uh, as long as you start on the right foot, Yes, and if you don't start on the right foot, you very quickly know about it. You know it very early, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there's a moment of like, uh, what do I have to do with my feet? Oh, yeah. And then you correct yourself and it's fine. Yeah. I say screw the stair naysayers. They look and function very well, I would say. Yeah. So. They were, um, I wanted to make the bedroom platform, the mezzanine, Mm. as long as possible. Yeah. Um, And so the headroom above the stairs really kind of reduced. Yes. And I think most tiny homes tend to have stairs which are storage stairs which have yeah shelves underneath them or stoves a part of them and, yeah yes and i think that was kind of my initial plan mm-hmm. but yeah just having more like a ladder uh eventually made sense it was how i could squeeze out the most 
bedroom and the most living space. I was going to say, having it like a ladder has then allowed your living space to be significantly bigger yes. than if they were coming down as traditional steps. Exactly, yeah. 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 The amount of distance they'd have to come out, it would mean that you'd be not You'd be sat on the stairs now. Yeah, exactly. There'd be no space for such a luxurious sofa. And yeah, and then so the bedroom mezzanine area is, as you say, generously sized. Probably the size of the footprint of your double bed twice and a bit more. No, I wouldn't say twice. No? Uh, double bed and then another meter and a bit. Okay. Oh, it looks bigger than it is then. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, extremely cosy and... There lies the finish of the tour around the tiny home. Yeah. Slightly, you know. Would you look, do you want to talk about materials on it? I mean, yeah, I guess yeah. we sort of naturally go into materials now. Yeah, we'll do that. I mean, I suppose we are sort of in the material stage, aren't we? That's lucky. Um, shall, are we at the yeah. uh, another cup of hot wine? Yeah. Amazing, mate. That is delicious hot wine. Well, I was going to say then as well, so we've described the the look of the tiny home or the, the, the layout of it but in terms of what the inside of this house is inside is dressed in is clad in we've got predominantly i would say about three quarters of the wall space and ceiling space is cork mm. what do we say yeah certainly all of the ceiling is cork yeah um and that comes back to thermal bridging mm. uh so, well, kind of a step back from that, one of the big considerations with a tiny house is weight. There is a very definite weight limit on the trailer of three and a half tonnes, including the trailer weight. So, yes. So actually 2.9 tonnes I can put on top. And so that has been the, the sort of underpinning of every decision on this house yes is <laughs> that would be great to do but how much does it weigh? it weigh yeah and there are so many ways to cover all of the thermal bridges um that then need cladding over mm. um and i was sort of pulling my hair out a little bit trying to figure out what the best way to do it was and then i discovered this cork cladding that is it's a rain screen i'm slightly talking about the outside now uh-huh. so it's a rain screen so it's waterproof and it's insulation. Mm-hmm. And that solved so many problems because I thought I was going to have to do stud frame infilled with insulation. Yeah. Then something covering the, the frame uh-huh. to stop your thermal bridging. Then put cladding on. Yeah. So to find a thing that is cladding and insulation, mm-hmm. stacking functions, it cuts out a whole extra layer of stuff extra layer of stuff extra layer of weight extra layer of money yes yes so then i started <clears> thinking about inside and i suddenly thought well i can just use the same stuff mm. um and initially i thought i was going to paint it uh because i think small spaces people initially want them to feel big and they want to feel as roomy as possible so mm-hmm. paint it white yes um and then i and i sort of got to thinking that actually the bedroom area I'd leave as cork because it's quite dark, this cork. Yes. Um, it's gone through a process. This is actually made from uh, the sort of smaller bits of cork that are on the, the sort of higher up branches. Uh-huh. So the little bits. Right. And it's kind of pushed through a, um, a furnace and it puffs, puffs it up and then it's all squished together with its own lignin. So there's no glues 
it is just the cork sticking itself together. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's quite a, got this sort of dark. Uh, what colour would you call that? Yeah, like a charcoal brown, if that exists. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's sort of browny. Yeah, browny black. Yeah, um, but gun sort brown. of mottled gun brown. <laughs> is that a thing? Like gun metal. Yeah, right, yeah, gun brown, but not very gunny. More brownie. We wouldn't call it gun brown, I don't think. No, I'm going to stick with charcoal brown. Um, but yeah, so I thought the bedroom area, I thought that'd be really nice to have it kind of quite cocoony, mm-hmm. a bit dark, a bit like, you know, you're getting into a very sort of close, warm space. Yeah, cosy. Yeah. Yeah. Woomy. Very woomy. And I thought the main living space, I'd paint it white. Mm-hmm. But then I decided I was just going to live with it for a bit, mm-hmm. as it is. And I think it's great. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a bit dark. Right. I have to turn the lights on a bit sooner than I'd necessarily want to. Yes. But I think the trade-off is that I'm looking at this beautiful cork. Mm-hmm. I suppose Kevin MacLeod would call it honest. Mmm. Yeah. Wouldn't he just? Yeah, I think he would. It's a testament to the honesty of the materials. That's what he'd say. Yeah. I mean, I think that that actually brings us on to one of the core design features that I wanted to put in this house. It does. And it's my people that listen to this podcast will (laughs) know what's coming. Uh, So biophilia. There it is. Yeah. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) The building sustainability (laughs) podcast bingo line. (laughs) He said biophilia, everyone quick. Yeah. Drink your hot drink. <laughs> Get your mulled wine down your stat. Jeffrey bangs on about air tightness. He says biophilia. <laughs> Standard issue. He calls something wonderful. <laughs> Do wonderful things, aren't they? <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, biophilia is... Uh, the it's the happy, good feelings we get from being in nature, mm. and biophilic design mm. is the 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 sort of process of basically sticking those things that make us feel good from nature into our buildings intentionally. Yeah, materially. Materially, yes, yeah, yeah. and it can be as simple as uh, putting plants in. Like yeah. that's an easy way to boost your your mental capacity and emotional feelings wise. Yeah, yeah, your comfort level as a result of being surrounded by things which we ought to be surrounded by. Yes. Yeah. 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 And there's, I mean, I always quote this, there's this one study where they uh, monitored patients in a hospital who uh, some could see out of a window and see like woodland Mm. and others didn't have a view. They just had like brick wall. Yeah. And those that could see the trees used fewer drugs uh, were released quicker, uh, complained less. Mm-hmm. Like they were healed quicker just by being able to see trees. That was the only factor that changed. Wow, right. Um, so, you know, the, the human body mind, it excels uh, when it's in the presence of this natural stuff. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, it's interesting you say that. I've been thinking, I was thinking about this a while ago, but I've lived in cities for most of my life up until three three or four years ago, mm. and I find myself a, a calmer person now as a result of having lived in places like Brookhouse Woods and here and places where, yeah, my neighbours are, are trees. 
mm. you know, and out of every window of the van there's trees. For me, it has provided more calm mm. and arguably balance in my life. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think the the more sort of work I do outside, the more I tend to be outside. Mm. But there are times, you know, if I'm working on my computer or winter, spend a lot of time inside. If I can do anything to boost my mood, to boost my uh, wellness, um, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, and I also just happen to think all of this stuff is incredibly beautiful. This is it. Like the cork, it's it's just the stuff that's come off a tree. Yeah. The the beautiful bark of an oak tree. Mm-hmm. Putting waning edge shelves on it's. I feel like it's a bit of a hippie cliche, maybe. Well, to have wainy, wainy edge shelves. Possibly, but they are objectively a beautiful thing. Yep. You know, you can't control who who takes on certain looks, and yeah, it's it's a it's a beautiful finish. It is. It's, it's a gorgeous thing to see a piece of wood that isn't square and straight. Yeah. You know, it is again. It's it's honest. It's a thing. It's it's, it's what it is. Very clearly. Yeah. That I've yeah. I often feel that about. Uh, design when there's things pretending to be other things mm. like there's an artist who makes glass uh, they look like balloon sculptures but they're made of glass yeah, and it's yeah. like oh it's very clever but I don't know I want my thing to be itself yes like don't pretend to be another thing yeah 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 that's a kind of core value isn't it I think mm. that, yeah um, honesty integrity yeah it controls the way you look at the world doesn't it I think to a point wow maybe yeah probably yeah <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> okay with that. Yeah. Um so yeah, I I wanted to cram in as much of that as possible. So the floor I went for local ash. This came from a, a local company. Uh I'll give them a shout out as well. They're called UK Hardwoods, uh just from the other side of Exmoor. Little family run sawmill. Um when I went to pick up my wood, like the guy told me the history of the wood, like the estate it was grown on, mm-hmm. you know, the guy who decided to cut it down because it was starting to get ash dye back. Mm-hmm. You know, he knew the heritage, he knew the person that had like planted it, everything. It was, you know, local, locally sourced, yeah. locally produced. Um, I love it. It's it doesn't get much more satisfying than that, does it? No. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Really not. And yeah. the ash tree sadly right now is being decimated by ash dieback yes indeed so this stuff isn't going to be around for much longer the yeah. the, the timber really becomes unusable um once it's got like sort of substantial dieback yes um yeah so i kind of want to encapsulate it yeah and you know it's been one of our most historic uh historically useful trees mm. so yeah Big slab of it on the floor. Big ups to the ash. Exactly. Yes. Uh, what else, biophilia wise? Um, oh, colours. Colours is a really simple way. Yes. Um, so all the colours that I picked in this uh, house are natural colours. It's it's a really simple thing. Paint paint things the the colours that that you see in nature. Um, kind of earthy tones. Earthy, but also you know they're blues, they're greens, mm. they're yeah, yeah. I actually hadn't noticed your blue wall until now behind your bookshelf. Behind the bookshelf, yeah, yeah that was nice. Uh, I was pretty pleased with that. I think I stole the idea from somewhere. Uh, Very nice. Paint behind your bookshelf a nice colour. Yeah. Sort of feature wall, but bookshelf. Yeah, makes perfect sense. 
And then sort of the other thing is that there's a sort of limit to how much you can cram in. Like if you fill your entire space with wood grain and bright colour or sort of natural colours, it sort of becomes overwhelming. Mm. And so they're sort of, they reckon, um, I can put a link in the show notes to the study, that Mm. about 50% of your surfaces should be like nice biophilic right uh responsy stuff Mm -hmm. and the rest should just be something really neutral right so that you don't overwhelm yourself so yeah most of the walls that aren't cork are just plain white plain white as is the wall that is behind us yeah yeah painted with nice clay paint yes indeed yeah earthborn paint earthborn paint Big up to Earthborn Paint as well. We are getting paid a wedge for this podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for those big royalty checks to come in. Isn't it just? So we've been discussing all the materials and, and the look and the, 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 the modalities behind it in terms of biophilia and so on of the inside of your and the outside of your tiny house. But how did you go about uh, transforming your ideas ethereally into a solid plan, i.e., were you drawing plans? Were you using CAD? Is that something you do? How yeah? How, how did you go about designing it physically? So I got squared paper. Yes. And I uh, made a square the size of a cooker. And uh, I made a square. I, initially, I was trying to fit like a, a roll-top bath in here, which seems ridiculous now. Yeah, so I had a little... Yeah, I cut out. So you were cutting out shapes. Yeah, I literally was cutting out shapes. I cut out the shape of a sofa, and then I drew my to you know to scale six point six meters by two and a half meters. Yeah, Uh, and then I went through and I just moved them around and I tried to, I tried to come up with as many different solutions as possible so that I didn't do that thing where you just do the first one and then go like, yeah, that's that's that'll do. Well, yeah, like nothing would be better than that. Yes. And I tried to sort of throw questions at it, like, um, you know, what if, what if the the kitchen and bathroom weren't together? Mm-hmm. Like, it makes sense uh, in terms of plumbing and uh, waste pipes and things like that. Yes. To put your kitchen and your bathroom together, it's sort of good sense. But I was like, yeah, what if we don't do that? What if we put them at opposite ends? What if the bedroom isn't on the mezzanine? What if? Uh, the kitchen is opposite the uh, the living space. Uh-huh. What if the door's over here, over there? I essentially tried every different thing, uh, and I came up with a, a list of about 25 plans. Uh-huh. And then I just went through and sort of back to sort of my original criteria of, mm. you know, space to move. Uh, bathroom doesn't really matter. Kitchen's got to be big. Yeah, I just went back to that criteria and started getting rid of ones that didn't work mm. as well. Yeah. And then I came back to the very first design I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask by any chance that he got back to the first one. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. There was some slight changes. Um, the sofa and the bookcase were originally in different opposite places. Yeah. Yeah, things things sort of shuffled around. Yeah. But it was largely that. that Broadly thing. speaking, yeah, I think that's that's a, a really interesting point. I think I, I'm finding that more and more as I'm starting to design bits more and more. Is that 
and even just looking for a new car recently and stuff like that. The first car I saw, I was like, I know that's good. And then I went and looked at loads of other ones and I came back to the first one mm. straight. And same with my van. I sort of did maybe four or five different drawings. The first one I did, I was so pleased with because I hadn't used graph paper in so many years. <laughs> and I did it and I was so happy with doing it and doing it to scale after three or four attempts of getting it wrong. But the first iteration of the plan, that's where the, the lion's share of my thought had gone into. I'd, the lion's share of my thought had already occurred before I'd committed it to paper. Mm. So there's a lot of consideration that, that had already been either confirmed or denied and pushed away. And so when you're doing your second and third and fourth drawings, I found it was it's, it's an important process i think because you, because you're yeah as you say you're questioning things you're saying well why do these these, these things need to be next to each other why does a bathroom and a kitchen need to be next to each other maybe it doesn't but i found that so many of the considerations have already happened that people very often come back to the first one mm. i didn't want to yeah i yeah. really wanted to sort of prove myself wrong yes um but yeah yeah honestly yeah i think thinking around that perhaps by virtue of having thought about something so much as people like you and I do when you're because we're considering anything mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah by virtue of that thought process and then naturally the drawing it comes second your first drawing is likely to be pretty close to what you're going to end up with yeah I mm, I, don't, I don't know I would I would Personally. urge people to sort of fight that mm. I think if you say it's going to do that then they sort of would tend to give up yeah um yeah, I would sort of urge the opposite because there were just by playing the way I did, mm-hmm. there were things where I was like, "Oh, of course, that doesn't have to go like that." And you know, yeah, uh, it was very freeing to sort of solve some problems, even if like the whole design didn't work cohesively. It's like, oh yeah, the way that the wood burner and the sofa are works better like that. Yes, um, can I bring that into a a different design. Yes. And in fact, with this design, the the wood burner was actually... That's right, yeah. Supposed to be, if I had stuck to the design, mm. it would have been butted up to the uh, the bookshelf, yeah. which would have been... I don't know what I was thinking. Less than ideal. Yeah, rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm speaking from a biased point of view where I, yeah... Are you about, justifying your own... I'm justifying my own actions. <laughs> <laughs> I drew a pretty picture of a van and thought, that's the prettiest picture I've drawn. I'm going to stick with that. Yeah. yeah. How good's the graph paper, though? Oh, my goodness me. Graph paper, sharp pencil, mm-hmm. forward slash steel pencil rule. sharpener, steel rule. Good God, what more do you want? Yeah, happy oh. times. But you didn't do cutting out of things? No, I didn't. I didn't even consider oh, that. Mate. What a joy ever thought that is. That is something I would say to anybody listening, take that on board. That sounds like a fantastic idea. Draw out your space, cut out the shapes and sizes of your particular things that you know you definitely need, move them around that space. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so simple, but it's so clever. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm not calling you clever. I'm oh. calling you simple. <laughs> You're calling me simple? <laughs> I'm not. Owie. <laughs> but no, seriously speaking, that is a very good, simple to achieve uh, and, and carry out and really helpful process i think yeah yeah I mean, at this point i should also give huge props to uh all the people that i went to see so this podcast mm-hmm. as regular listeners will know like i essentially use it to go and research the thing that i'm interested in at the time yes and i went to see 
three, four different tiny house builders mm-hmm. uh, who had built their project. And I just picked their brains and learnt so much from them. So Flo and M yeah. and Philippa and Georgie, uh, they've all built incredible tiny homes. Yes, they have. I've, I feel so um, privileged, I think, that I sort of have this excuse to go and chat to people who are doing these great things. Mm-hmm. And steal their ideas. <laughs> wonderful things. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful things. things. They are excellent people <laughs> doing wonderful, wonderful things. things. <laughs> no, it's true. But privilege, I think, probably is the correct word because, by virtue of you, of you doing this, that that allows you access to certain places and people that maybe not be so easily accessible. You know, it's good. Hopefully, people listening to this, Precisely. if this is their first episode, mm-hmm. they can now go and tap into all of that knowledge yeah. and learn all of that as well um and hopefully you know better buildings and happier people will come out of it yeah yeah that's that's the purpose of the podcast right purpose of the podcast the, the podcast purpose <laughs> p-o-p the pop, 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 pop. <laughs> i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right, there we go. That is part one of three of the Tiny House Chat. As always, there are loads and loads of links in the show notes uh, to things we've talked about, whether that's the carbon filters for the compost lose, trailer links, uh, links to episodes, biophilic design episodes, the other tiny home podcasts we've done, the house building help episode I did about this house. Those links are all in the show notes, so make sure you give them a good click and find out more. Quick request, if you're listening this far, do please share this episode however you can. Facebook Mastodon, is that the thing? I'm not there yet. Uh, Twitter, if it still exists, share it there. LinkedIn, lots of people share it on LinkedIn, actually. Yeah, I don't need to list all of the social medias, uh, but if you can share it, it would be greatly greatly received um get more people learn about good design details for tiny homes uh one quick thing i did want to say that the direct air on the stove uh, that is really necessary when you build an airtight home a wood burning stove if it's pulling air from inside the building and you've made a very airtight building you actually run the risk of suffocating that that fire and incomplete combustion can be very uh, harmful to you um so yes if you're building airtight direct air stove 
And you should build airtight. The next episode is ready for you right now. We're going to talk about airtightness, ventilation, power, heating, water, kind of getting into the the nitty gritty of the build. And the third episode is about how long it took, how much it cost, the hardest bits, the best bits, how I kept motivation going, what's it like living in it, uh, future plans and advice for potential tiny house builders. Uh, Yes, so do go away, share. I hope you're really enjoying this episode. Fire me any questions that don't get answered. You can go on our Facebook group, Building Sustainability Community. Uh, There's usually some good chat there after the episodes. Um, That's it. Go on to the next part. See you, bye.